Hi folks, welcome back to another episode of Work Yogi Diaries. This is your host Santosh Shiva. I bring you conversations with people who are masters of their craft or are on a journey to be masters. They see their work as a form of self-expression, not just to pay bills or to get by. I hope through these conversations we get to hear new ideas, new ways of thinking and acting new strategies and perhaps inspire us to take our game to the next level in the house today pleased to have uday kumar an old friend a technologist who has been passionately on a quest to document and preserve the local history of one of world's most important cities bengaluru if you thought bengaluru is a colonial city that mushroomed into a metropolis because of industrialization technology boom you are in the majority however the truth is something more than that bengaluru has had a history that goes back for more than 1000 years our guest today through his passion and drive has pulled together a citizen coalition that searches preserves and in some cases recreates ancient inscription stones that tell a local history this project will serve future generations to come Let's jump in and find out the what, why, and how of this incredible initiative. Hey, Udya, welcome to Work Yogi Diaries. Thank you, Santosh. <laughs> It's so good to talk to you. You know, we know each other for probably twenty years now, and three decades. Um, three decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. And it's so good to see you. do something fascinating which is uh, so dear to all of us who are from bangalore or bengaluru in 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 whatever you want to say it. but before we get into it uh, i'll let you do a quick personal introduction and then we'll jump in yeah um so i like to think of myself more as a bangalorean than anything else hmm. you know really the uh, the claim to fame is bangalore and nothing else so much um So been here all my life was born here grew up here stayed here and hopefully will finish it here if all goes well <laughs> okay um so along the along the way um studied to be an engineer as most bangaloreans uh, did and then um, you know went up the management road so worked in a few companies um general electric we met each other in tata alexi first Yeah, yeah, and then and then General Electric and Schneider Electric. Hmm. Um, so about three decades in three different uh, multinationals, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and then um, along the way, sometime I discovered a, uh, a story of Bangalore which I found fascinating. Hmm. So um, you know, went around digging, um, you know, for more about that. and that led to a fascinating journey so today i like to identify myself more as a bangalorean who knows a little bit about the story of the city than you know all the other things that i've done before in life now yeah 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 and and that's what here what what uh, we are here to talk about right and um i think you're doing a a, a huge service to everyone who has some has touched bangalore in some way and uh, so that's what we're getting into you you are um, you have taken uh, your personal time and are constructing uh, reconstructing a narrative or knowledge about uh, 
the local history, live history. It's not even like, a, you know, some lost history, but live history. So actually, let's dig into that. So, you know, um, Bengaluru history, right? Not many people know of it. We all know of it. Our popular narrative is it was a small village called uh, Bendakaluru, and that's what we've been told. And there's nothing more beyond that. We all think of it as some small village one point, once upon a time. Uh, the British came and then the IT came and that's how Bangalore is not what it is. But it's not that's not the case in, in what you have discovered. Yeah. So let's maybe jump into it and do a bit of a flashback here as to what got you interested in the first place to, to actually get into this. Yeah. Um, so what got me interested was actually an accident. Well, uh, like I said, you know, I've always been uh, identifying myself with Bangalore. Uh, this is my home. Outside of that, um, you know, there was a, there was an in- interesting incident about um, five years ago in 2017 uh, when someone actually I don't remember exactly whether it was in return or someone told me this but um, so where I am now right now is Rajajinagar Rajajinagar first block first R block it's called um, so as I was growing up in and around this place there was nothing but there were a couple of villages around here. And one of the mm-hmm. villages was called Kate Marana Hadley, um, which uh, today I think Nadian postmen know. Uh, it's buried, you know, it's buried in the, uh, blo- in the many blocks and uh, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, so th- that's where I spent a lot of time. We had friends. If you had to go to anywhere uh, else, you had to go via Kate Marana Hadley. You know, you want to, want mm-hmm. to watch a movie in Naurang, you walk, in, walk past uh, Kate Marana Hadley. You want to mm-hmm. go to Malayshuram, you would go through... Anywhere and everywhere, you know, you mm-hmm. you were uh, passing by Kethmanali, and not to mention all the you know hundreds and uh, thousands of cricket matches you played uh, with the team mm-hmm. here and with the Kethmanali team. So I identified myself more as a Kethmanali uh, old timer there now. And around 2017, mm-hmm. somebody told me that do you know there's a inscription uh, in Kethmanali from the 14th century which mentions Kethmanali. Wow. Now, if you can imagine, it's just a two um, street is probably a bad word, lane, village, mm. uh, just tiled houses and nothing significant in that place visibly. It's mm. just another, uh, it just could be another street, you know, village in uh, anywhere in the country. And that was quite shocking because, um, you know, I had no clue that this place was uh, 700 years old and that wow. there was a written record of the place uh, from then which was right there, uh, in uh, somewhere close to the uh, place. Since I uh, grew up here, I was very familiar with the neighborhood, but uh, neither I nor any of my friends around here had heard the story before. I was very curious about that and went um, searching for that stone and mm. discovered that uh, the stone had been destroyed in the 50s. Okay. Late late 60s, uh, early 50s, it had been, oh, sorry, early 60s, late 50s, it had been destroyed uh, casually because there was somebody wanted to build a ho- home uh, where the stone was hmm. and uh, they just dislodged it and they broke it, used the stone and built a house. Now, that was um, a step that was terrible because, um, you know, it kind of shook me up and said, look, if the place right where you're growing up and spent all your life had that kind of an incredible history, why are we kind of talking about Bangalore being, um, unlike what you said, there are three, four notions about Bangalore. 
Uh, modern day uh, migrants to Bangalore call it as a place that happened after the ITBT revolution, which is the 90s and 2000s. Um, look, uh, a lot of other people who think that the city really was um, came about colonial times after the British came here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the English speaking people, especially the English, uh, I would say the, uh, the not so Kannada or Tamil or Telugu literate people tend to believe this is a colonial city. Mm. And then uh, the native Bangaloreans, such as like you and me, we grew up on the story that it was founded by Kempegoda around mm. 16th centuries. But here's a place which is in Bangalore and I identify myself with Bangalore and uh, this, I identify with this particular village which, which goes back uh, 700 years. Hmm. Okay, so um, so I, I, at that time I used to, you know, my office was at the other end of the city, a place called Karbisnali on Outer Ring Road and I stay in Rajasnagar, so diametrically opposite ends of the city. Mm-hmm. So all this is documented in a book uh, called the Epigraphia Karnataka. And when I, was, when I was looking around for this Ketman early inscription stone, I discovered that in and around both my other locations, home and office, there were tens of these such inscriptions. There's one in Ashwanpur, there's one in Hebar, there's one in Kodiyali, there's one in Pinya, which are all right in, uh, around the place where I live. And around my office, there was one in uh, you know Vibhutipura, uh, there was one in Yamlur, there was one in a place called Panathur. There's one in a place called Marthali, all which are just a kilometer or two between you know, of my workplace. And I started to um, search for them. The book itself is a hundred year old book. So the references, the locational references in the book are outdated today. Mm-hmm. So the, the book will say there's an inscription stone uh, from the 10th century um, under a, you know, a tree tamarind tree, mango tree or banyan tree or something in the village of uh, Pinya. It's very unlikely you will find a hundred year old um, tamarind or mango or a banyan tree in Pinya today. Um, So hunting is, uh, you have to go look for it. You just can't, you know, go ask and find out. And then I discovered that about the, in the city of Bangalore, about 175 such inscription stones have been documented starting from Mm. the 8th century. 750 AD wow. to now, about, not, not now really, to the 16th century, um, 175 such inscriptions have been documented everywhere in the city. Oh, almost mm. about a half of them are being destroyed. Wow. Okay. So that's um, something else. But that's when I started to, when you read these inscriptions, they are in English, Karana and Tamil. Um, I mean, the translations are in English, the, the inscriptions are in Telugu, Karana and Tamil, all three languages. Um, even if you can't read the 10th century script itself, you can figure, it is clearly written in English what it states. So the story of um, what, that's narrated in these inscriptions is pretty easy to learn. So, so what, what is this? I mean, um, are, these some, are, the, are some of these inscriptions... Uh, property stones or are they all no, um, related to no it's, they're all records of something significant that happened at that place hmm. okay, uh, for example the one in uh, Kirtmanali that I'm talking about is a record of the gift of um, a village actually it is not Kirtmanali hmm. it's called Juganahalli uh, which is which is Rajasnagar third block today um, you know, behind the ESI hospital there's a place called Juganahalli that village was 
granted or gifted to an individual for some act of his, uh, some uh, some worthy act, uh, he was gifted that village. Basically, means that the revenue collected from that village, the taxes collected from that village, would be paid to this person. Um, and he did something significant, and that's why that um, was inscribed on stone. And that land grant is a um, grant for uh, perpetuity; it's forever. Okay, it's not. And this is during what time? So this, so this particular one was at thirteen forty one A.D. So this is what Krishna Devaraya. No, no, thirteen forty one was just when the um, um, you know the Vijayanagar um, Empire was big, was starting. Thirteen thirty six, thirteen thirty seven was when the Vijayanagar Empire was founded. So this is a uh, five six years okay. after that. Prior yeah. to that, yeah. Krishna Devaraya and. Um, uh, came about 200 years after this, almost. It's around 1509, okay. 1520 is when Krishna Devaraya came. Um, okay. So that aside, so the point you made just now about Krishna Devaraya is an excellent point to understand how we uh, understand how we've been taught history. Um, what I'm talking here is ultra-local. And mm. what I'm talking here is not political. It's not the story of kings. It's not the story of dynasties. It's a story of my mm. home. Okay. Kings right. don't figure in this, uh, dynasties don't figure in this, and that place has lived through many kings and dynasties. Hmm. Okay, since then, so let's say the, uh, no, the, this was from 1340 something. Uh, so since right. then, there's been lots of dynasties, lots of whatever, but we identify uh, the past with kings and uh, dynasties and we ignore hmm. the place. Right. 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 So, um, so that's what it is. In, in these kind of events, could be anything. You know, it could be building of a lake, uh, construction of a lake. Uh, it could be um, celebration of a, a festival. It could be celebration of a eclipse. Eclipses were big times when you made donations. Uh, people believed that you would accumulate more uh, punya, you know, if you donated during the time of an eclipse. So they would donate, mm. and all these donation donations are uh, perpetual donations. So they run forever. So year after year after year, you are committing to give some money to a institution. It could be a temple, it could be a, a charitable, whatever. All of that. Okay. So they narrate the story of that place. In this case, again going back to the Ketman Ali example, a man called Perumal was given the given the village. So you know a resident's name seven hundred years ago. Today. Yeah. Okay. okay, so you're not talking kings, you're talking local people, you're talking local events, you're talking local um, places. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. So, so, you begin, so, so when you understand this story, um, you realize that every nook and corner of Bangalore has such an evidenced past. It's not folklore. It's not that, you know, hand-me-down story coming down or whatever. It was written on that day. Uh, the day is even, date is even mentioned on these stones when it was written. The, on that day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, they narrate the story of something which is immediate to you. All you know, you know, I mean, mm. um, so all you know, it could be your um, ancestor 700 years ago. <laughs> A direct ancestor yeah. itself. Yeah. Assuming you are yeah. from that village. Yeah. So, so the story. You know, that's a great yeah. point. It's a great. You know, one of the, uh, the the point that you're making, which is which is uh, you know like a light bulb went off in my head. Right, you're right that all of us, I can say for myself, and I think it represents a common way we look at history. It's through it's through political 
you know political upheavals political right. uh, periods right. you're right we don't we don't care about really what happened on the ground or uh, there isn't much focus on uh, local events we don't look at history like that at all right um that's not because we don't know that it's well known it's well mm. documented too uh, except that uh, historians for a long time a majority of the historians for a long time have focused on political history mm. what is history you know it's really it's really everything that has happened in the past okay yeah, yeah. It, it, kings and kings and dynasties were a part of that story okay yeah. uh, there was the there was there was agriculture there was there was food that was grown there was disease that um, you know yeah. that, just like we have the covid now they had innumerable such uh, epidemic yeah. epidemics yeah. Uh, then there were floods and people did things uh, not just kings and queens Yeah. you know it's it's not like the president of us is the only one who's doing anything useful in the us or it's not the president of uh, exactly. or the prime minister of india is the only one who's doing anything useful in india today you and i are doing something worthy too yeah. right yeah. except that the perspective of a person as uh, of 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 a few people have made us look at the past in terms of kings and queens and dynasties and nothing else right yeah so Uh, that's that's part and so when i went in there and then i discovered every nook and corner of bangalore has the story i said what the hell you know why mm. are we keeping quiet about this why isn't anyone even you know aware of all this more importantly they're all getting destroyed mm. yeah because of all the development that's happening people don't know this they don't understand the worth of it and they destroy it casually why right. um so that's the uh, that's that's really what yeah that's the background So um you know uh, for you to have so first off is history something are you passionate about history in general or is it no, just no, that not, this particular project No no not at all I I really did not like history because as a subject when it was taught in school and the colleges are spoken about generally yeah. um because it's all about um, you know some king the third and that queen the fourth and that dynasty yeah. and this battle and all of that I just just um one it was uh, heavy on my my brain to remember all the dates and pass the exams so that was a big <laughs> that was a big problem it there was nothing fascinating yeah. in just kind of re, you know memorizing all of that and regurgitating all of that stuff it didn't make sense i said what the, how the hell does history have yeah. any um, anything to do with my life today okay yeah. uh, i always been a science and technology guy which made uh, you know for one yeah. it was fascinating because you could see what you were doing and it made a difference to everybody and you and all of that uh, what's the use of studying yeah. history was my and our way of thinking yeah. earlier yeah. Yeah. so it was not a history guy. yeah awesome yeah that's that's terrific and and you you started it you but this is scale this is become a kind of a initiative it's kind of becoming a movement uh, now right, right? uh so how how did that come about how did you go about getting others interested in this and uh, i think you also now uh, you're also working collaborating with an ngo so give us a sense of how did you scale this right the first thing is uh, i think more important um, is why did i take it up with a with a mindset that history is not useful um mm. and that comes from my background like you said so i spent um, almost 3 decades in um, multinational companies 
touring the world, working with, um, hardly connected with, I would say, for the past two decades, I've been hardly connected with uh, India or Bangalore because all the work has been been done for uh, companies abroad and all of that. Um, so when I, one of the things I discovered as um, a people uh, is that our ambitions and our goals are pretty low. What I mean by that is, um, you know, um, so if you see the sporting world today, um, a one point whatever billion people are, are celebrating one gold medal in the Olympics. Um, it's definitely worth celebrating. But seriously, are we just good enough for one gold? And honestly, I think that's because we don't even uh, aspire for more. It's the same story in science. How many Nobel, how many Nobel laureates do we have? When was the last one we had? Whether it's science, whether it's literature, or whether it's more films. Um, some of the, uh, I would say, the uh, humanity side slightly better. Uh, but if I look at most of the things, how many products do we claim to be from in India? Well, it's uh, any kind of a product you think. But there's a zillion Indians in those fields um, today. And I think that's not because yeah. either Indians are not bright enough or physically not strong enough or any of those kind of things. It's just that we don't aspire to be yeah. the world's best. And we don't aspire to be the world's best because we don't have a baseline, because we don't have a standard. Hmm. Now that we have one gold, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure that the next few years we'll see more golds in the Olympic, uh, Olympics. Right. Yeah. Um, right. The yardstick that we set ourselves is pretty low. And that yardstick is low or that baseline is so low because the past is something we are not so you know, aware of. Uh, if you are aware that something has been accomplished already, mm. you begin to aim for something higher and better. This is different from a rat race. And I'm just saying that in any field, you know, if you want to do better than uh, what's already been done, that's a natural way you know, all of us live and work. Right? So no... Yeah. So, and this I lived through in all those companies, the world's best companies that I worked in. So, you know, a lot of us were outstanding, but we would yield the top place easily to a German, a Japanese or an American or someone like that. Not because we are any less skilled or competent than uh, that person, but you know, it was just the way we were brought up. If, if a, Germ a German is supposed to be a great guy, you know, at quality and precision and blah, 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 and all of that, how can we beat him? The whole system's bind of, you know, built for Germany to do well. How can we beat the passion, dedication, precision of a Jap Japanese? A Japanese, Japanese are too good at that. You know, Americans have massive amounts of wealth. They can throw billions of dollars at a problem and solve it. We don't stand a chance. You know, we're rationalizing away a lot of things and giving away or gifting away things. Right. And this is not in an individual setting I'm talking about. This is in a team or a corporate in a, or a group setting that, you know, we operate in today. And that is something I had to work through as a corporate leader in most places. I said, come on, guys, you know, you guys are no bet. You are as good as anyone else. Let's go get it and do it better. And, and then, you know, when you begin to realize why are our guys as bad, uh, not aspiring to be top uh, grade there? Then you understand that, look, they're, ha they're happy and they're content to be, you know, being second class or second uh, position or whatever you want to call it. Because no one's done even that before. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> so I, when so you think back again where does that pride come from the pride comes from your identity okay and your identity mm-hmm. founded on fact okay so when your okay. factual uh, accomplishments backing you let's say my father did this my grandfather did this my somebody else did this my nephew did this my brother did this you are aspiring and going to do more for the, for that this is where history comes in it doesn't matter if you know a king did something or someone else did something else but if there's something which is local and touching you would you would aspire to do better and your pride in your place in your people in your language would be so enormous you like it or not you would be you know out there really saying world class or really competing for that world class thing mm-hmm. so uh, so when i discovered this and then you know by then anyway i had traveled a lot of places in the world all the uh, supposedly the greatest places uh, that bangalore uh, bangalore takes you to whether it was san francisco or whether it was la or whether it was new york or boston or you know berlin or munich or any of those places all of those places and when the, what i discovered there was an enormous sense of pride uh in uh, their history in their past in their culture in their whatever which was severely lacking here and then i discovered this inscription here sanad years ago which i can't find in silicon valley which you can't find anywhere else and then you realize what the hell why am i why am i taking a back seat in my own place and why am i behaving the way i am i'm no inferior to anyone mm-hmm. yeah and i look at and the way we bring up our children the way we teach them the past and all of that and i said look this is a story that needs to be preserved that needs to be told to shape the future it's not about knowing the past yeah. it's about shaping the future <laughs> so that's when i started let's let's go save these uh, incredible inscriptions all over the city of bangalore uh, let's build awareness about these inscriptions firstly preserve them create more awareness and celebrate them okay unless you celebrate and unless you celebrate it it's no use right so mm-hmm. that so the, so i spoke to friends like you and you know we wrote on social media and all that and uh, like minded people joined became a kind of um, a citizen group um a lot of people pitched in personally uh, financially you know with their skill sets um, you know we accomplished a lot of things we saved many of these inscriptions and that's how the um, you know the movement or the project actually has evolved today uh okay. it's grown beyond bangalore city now so we kind of um preserving and trying to do the same for all the inscriptions in the district of bangalore so so it seems like you know obviously it was fired by your personal passion and your Uh, your discovery your discovery realization of uh, what you just shared and then you you had a whole bunch of citizens and friends yeah. who came together right and 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 but you've also built an organization now right it's it's an organized it's organized it's it has a structure it's no more a you know uh, it's not a, it's not a hobby anymore it's it's a yeah. fairly serious in, endeavor that you guys are on so can it how did that happen yeah. um so um you know we were working i would say um, we continue to work for you know in in a large way in an informal basis we are not really an organization like you put it mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a bunch of volunteers who come together okay at times which suits them 
and in areas that shows them and we um, you know we accomplished something uh, essentially it is a uh, so what happened was once we discovered that you know these inscriptions are um, endangered they're going to be lost in time even if we put them nicely in a, you know on a pedestal and put a glass cover around it and all of that uh, what's happening is because these have been around for a thousand years or many hundred years and we expect them to be around for many hundred years nature itself takes a toll on them so these the you know the air the air and the rain and the sunlight this one causes weathering of the rock so the uh, the characters on the stone are fading away so coming from a technical background obviously the uh, first uh, idea was is there a techno techno technical solution for this and then you know again spending all the years in um, you know in the uh, software it domain so the idea so we tried out a few things can we digit build digital models of these inscriptions okay, okay. Uh, can we build accurate 3d models if you think back to the uh, days that we were working together it's like a cad model it's it's like a lithography okay right Yeah. So again, since we aren't exactly an organization, a bunch of us experimented with the stuff that we knew. Somebody said, "Let's do photogrammetry." Somebody said, uh, "Let's do some other methods." And you know, we tried all of those things, and um, finally, we discovered, we realized that um, there were uh, there was something called a digital handheld scanner, which um, today is getting more popular, but originally in the defense and automotive industries, which is used for reverse engineering purposes. Okay, when you want to copy something or when you want to use uh, something, you know, use that, and that that um, worked well. Except that the thing is terribly expensive. Okay, it's not so. It's not. It's not something you can just say. Okay, let me buy it and go around and do it. Um. So citizens funded. So we were doing it as a uh, services. Uh, this one. So we would hire the agency to come and you know scan a few inscriptions for us and give the models. So we did that for a year or two. so somebody would come and say look yeah i'm willing how much does it cost to uh, you know hire those guys for a day say x amount and they would fund it and we would go and uh, scan a couple of uh, inscriptions on an hour day then we realized that you know this isn't going to work uh, we really for the scale of uh, things that we want to do so there's about uh, 1500 inscription stones in the district of bangalore okay so uh, the two a day one a day you know renting um, you know hiring um, people to come and help you know do it for a day that isn't going to work for long so i started to approach um, uh, corporates first the first thing was i approached the government the archaeological department was really the government custodian for this and um, okay. it's one of the worst funded departments in our uh, government today <laughs> they barely have money enough to get the toilets clean in the museums um that's the sad state wow. of affairs they were very encouraging and they were very supportive but it was a no brainer that they just couldn't afford any one of that and there was no use in pointing fingers and saying look the government isn't doing anything the government isn't doing anything because all you'll do at the end of the day is that a few more stones will get and uh, are lost and uh, it's not the government's loss when these inscriptions of the past is lost it's the people's loss you know we we'll lose our heritage it doesn't matter mm. you know the government officer is not doing it or not yeah so then i said look you know let's try and see if we can get some uh, corporate funding uh we can uh, individual or corporate funding to fund these um, you know scan either a scanner or 
scanning itself in a longer term. Uh, that didn't work very well either uh, because it's exactly the problem that I faced. Um, as a corporate citizen, you have you don't care a damn about uh, anything in, uh, that you call as heritage here. You know, if, if there is a government law that says you need to spend uh, some money in CSR, that's called corporate social responsibility, uh, for a for a corporate director who spent a lot of time in uh, you know in the corner office, uh, corporate social responsibility means donating some money to an orphanage, uh, to a flood to a flood relief, yeah, a to a flood relief. It's a checklist item. Okay. At most, or you know, sometimes, sometimes what you do is, let's say I'm in the electrical engineering industry. I I, I sponsor a few sponsorships, or rather, uh, scholarships for um, electrician or electrical engineer. It's like kind of you know, it's not corporate social social responsibility. It's benefiting your own organization because you're creating a talent pool you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so that's the yeah. perspective. Then uh, you know, tried very hard, and I thought that's where my um, you know, strength lie because I'd worked the industry here for so many years. I knew all the top guys around here and all of that. Didn't go far. Um, and then one organization uh, stepped forward. Uh, this is called the Mythic Society. It's a 110-year-old institution. Okay. Um, it's actually on Riputunga Road. If you've gone on Riputunga Road, you would have seen a beautiful old colonial uh, structure, right? When I'm friend of the Reserve Bank of India. They... Um, their agenda is uh, to research and work in the areas of history, archaeology, uh, folklore, uh, stuff like that. They were founded in 1909 uh, by a lot of people, especially Britishers at that time, who thought uh, the story of Mysore, which is the Mysore state, ought to be told by Mysoreans. Look at the uh, funny, this one there, a bunch of Britishers are saying, you know, the story of Mysore ought to be told by Mysoreans. And they founded this institution. The uh, So the king donated some land and, you know, funded a building and all, and it got started. Uh, this institution is um, had very eminent people, uh, you know, advising, running, managing it and all that, including the likes of uh, Sir C.V. Raman, uh, Mirza, Mirza Ismail. Actually, for a long time, the director of the Indian Institute of Science also doubled as the president of Mythic Society. Because their approach has always been, you know, to think interdisciplinary and uh, like that. So they uh, so they heard, they had heard my story. Somebody there had heard about the work we are doing and all of that. And they invited me for a talk. They said, you know, we will uh, like to hear what you guys are doing in terms of the technology stuff. So a, a hall full of uh, historians was packed out, no, full of historians and Researchers were there, and we showed how we do scanning and what's the benefits of that. Uh, that had a big impact, and um, so the um, so they said, "Look, uh, how, how about you making a proposal for us to uh, not to do this as a full-time project?" And I gave them a proposal. They liked it. They funded it. Um, so we're running it now as a full-time project. We have um, uh, four uh, PhDs in history. Uh, who are working on it. So we um, have taken a break as well from my uh, regular corporate job. So I go, uh, so we go everywhere. We identify these inscriptions, we salvage them, and the word is salvage there, unfortunately. And we um, scan these, we build accurate, very high accurate and accuracy digital models of these. And then we are rereading everything that's been written there. 
it was published 100 years ago, but we still um, you know, reread it because there's um, a lot of new things we discovered. So there's some mistakes in that. There's some new additional mm-hmm. stuff we discover and all that. And then, um, as a so what's the use of all of this if the story doesn't go out to the common man? You know, there's a stone sitting mm-hmm. in the street. That street right. ought to know it, should celebrate it. So we do events there, mm-hmm. we prepare literature, we document this. Um, so we make sure that the stone is, under, what the contents of the stone is understood. Um, conservation happens and more importantly, celebration happens. And that point that I made about, um, uh, you know, pride in your place. This is not false pride, you know, it's just, a, yeah. it's, it's right there, documented on stone for you to read. Um, right and that's yeah. having, a, that, that's how it's gathered the effect now. So the copies yeah. of the that you're making, oh, they uh, are you exactly leave it where you yes. originally found the original stone. Uh, in case it's sitting on the edge of a road, okay, you know, well, it's uh, open to traffic and it's hmm. um, likely to get you know, damaged in an accident. We shift it to a very close by temple, uh, panchayat office, taluk office, BBMP office, a ground park, or some place right. like that. Ideally, we want it to be in that exact location it is in. So we rarely move it out uh, of that locality. Yeah, because it's the jewel. It's, okay. it's, yeah, because it's the jewel and in the in crown there. Of, you know, aside, so my the Ketmanali stone. Yeah. If I move it, let's say to some other place, loses its value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah, and and in terms of the age of stones, uh, which is old, what is the oldest stone yeah. you found in the, so, in the um, Bangalore? So when we move around, we also discover new inscriptions. People haven't ever discovered, and the, uh, yeah. that was the uh, so the one we discovered in Hebat uh, three years ago, 2018. Now that's there are many uh, oldest. So this is at the moment the or we call this the oldest because it's uh, full. Uh, it's not chipped off. It's not worn out or whatever and all that. The reading is absolutely clear. That's from 750 AD, which is about. Yep, which is about 1300 wow. years there now, almost. And the writing in it is in Canada. It mentions the place named to be Hebat. Yeah. Really? So every time you drive down from Bangalore airport to your That's office amazing. or house, you're passing by Hebat. It's that flyover where you're sure to get stuck in traffic jams. Look to the either side. You're looking at an area which has been around for a 1300 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's there a very advanced civilization there. 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 <laughs> yeah. They were there. <laughs> Yeah. 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 That's amazing, yeah. isn't it? So That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So is there a way you know, again yeah, going right. back to this? Um, how do we connect with this? It was lying in a gutter. It wasn't mm-hmm. a drain. Um, well, it's inappropriate to call it a drain because people worshipped it, but it is essentially lining a drain. Um, it was. It's been taken out from there now, and right in that same place. A beautiful stone mantapa, a massive one, uh, has been built with citizen funding. Um, all over the place, people have funded for this. Okay. Uh, it's a structure which is in the same architectural style as was prevalent 1300 years ago. So that is called the Ganga style of architecture. Mm-hmm. Like you have the Vijayanagar, Hoysala and all of these styles of architecture. Belur Halibid is a Hoysala style of architecture. Okay, the Gangas had another style. So, which is why I said a very advanced civilization. They were not a civilization. Yeah. Uh, so we built that, uh, built that manpa and kept the stone in that, the inscription stone inside that. 
uh, and the contents of what's written in that is now common knowledge in that vicinity. What effect does it have today okay. is uh, when we are putting it, when we took it out and we are conducting these events, uh, know your neighborhood events there, a lady who was expecting um, to deliver just a, you know, a month or two down the line, she said, uh, sir, and that's her hometown, that's her home village. She said, sir, whatever is going to be the baby, I'm going to give that child the surname Hebat. Okay. So, uh, so the child now has, um, is Rohit Reddy Hebal or something like that. Okay. Now imagine the children there, and this is playing out as we are, you know, as we are talking right now, the sense of belonging and the pride in Hebal is so high. Earlier it was a, a shanty town. It's yeah. a slum. Okay. Now suddenly the people there are taking pride in a slum. So, you know, if, if, you, if it's very wrong, inappropriate to call it. But it's yeah. a low-income um, yeah. vicinity, you know, neighborhood. Yeah. Around it are, you know, Dollars Colony, as the name itself says. People talk dollars there only. And there's Sanjay Nagar and there's Arti Nagar and there are all of these. These are all upper middle class or, you know, uh, I would say quite, um, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, pricey neighborhoods. And there's a sitting hebal there. Now there's a yeah. child who's going to grow up there with the surname. And that child is going to see that uh, inscription every day. And it's going to realize that this is language that I speak, which is 1,300-year-old language. And this yeah. is my place, Ebal. You, I bet one of those children, not all of them, will turn out to God knows what. You know, it could fall yeah. and yeah, it could be something significant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fascinating, uh, Udaya. That's, uh, that, that's really, uh, uh, you know, it's whatever you guys are doing is fantastic. Now, in terms of uh, making this more accessible, like uh, if they say you're visiting the city, right? Uh, do you think that's yes. that's something that would help because it kind of right uh, people visiting Bangalore going to these spots yeah. and saying oh you know this place was there 1300 years yes. back that's that's the city's his heritage yes we're doing uh-huh. that as well is that something you're thinking about? Um, so the first thing is the first of the things that we did was we put up all the locations on a Google map okay um, so all okay. the hundred plus in fact we did something more. Uh, what we did was we put up every documented inscription on a Google map and we used icons to say this one's still there, this one's been killed and this one's been, uh, this one's not traceable. So all the 175 inscriptions of the city of Bangalore are on a Google map. Very precise uh, locations. You can use that map, you can drive there. Uh, it'll, it'll land you right in front of the stone hmm. and um, it has all the information. There's photographs, there's videos, there's the text of the inscription in Canada, uh, Tamil or English or whatever, the translations, all of that is on the Google map. Okay. As of, as of today, we have about 130,000 uh, views or something like that. Okay. Um, so who are using these? Uh, like you said, some visitors to the city. It's, um, well, ideally, all the stuff that I'm, we are doing today is not intended for tourists. It's intended for residents. Yeah, we want Bangaloreans to the past of Bangalore, not so much, you know, someone else to know, someone else to not. Start with. <laughs> okay. Let's start with, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we yeah. do, so that's, uh, it's being used by all kinds of people. Uh, the, some of the best experiences I had was okay. uh, a rickshaw driver, auto rickshaw driver call up and say, uh, mm-hmm. sir, all those inscriptions you said were missing are not traceable, are really not traceable because I, this is my neighborhood. I live here. I grew up here. I went around to check 
after having heard the stories of you know uh, my villages and all that i went around to check on those stones you are right they are missing imagine an auto rickshaw driver chasing up the history of his village like this i think that's amazing we have had press reporters yeah. do press stories using those maps you know, having you know me and our newspaper stories doing those kind of um, you know thing we have students doing it we have teachers doing it we have regular ordinary people doing it and uh, so everyone's been using it many times they get back often we don't know who's using it but many times they get back and they tell us uh, look your yeah. location locational accuracy was very good i like the photo i like the description uh, and this map is also entirely volunteer driven that's one and two we um, okay now we have stopped because of covid and lockdowns and all that but every weekend or uh, we would do what we call as the know your neighborhood events so we gather the neighborhood there and for an hour or two we explain the story uh, that's being documented in the stone we also give out literature okay then there's media coverage um, the press always a lot of press articles have been published on this and the other big thing we use extensively is social media on facebook and twitter um almost on a daily basis there's something that's being written either by us or by someone else there and all of that sharing information about the places the photos their understanding of what's written there all of those kind of stuff as well uh the mythic society project that i'm talking about what we are doing here is uh we take a neighborhood and then we are um, using the digital models we narrate the story of that neighbor neighborhood in the form of a story it's intended for an ordinary person it's not intended for a historian or a researcher we use simple language it's written in kannada and it's written in english extremely simple language our target uh, reader is an eighth standard pass student okay. uh, if a, if an eighth standard student can read so can a phd so the logic is the other way around we build we are writing those papers which connect the current with the past the present with the past and um, so those are those are not out yet yep. um they are in the process of development they are being worked on today hopefully by the end of the year we will release these uh, they will be in electronic form uh, we'll leverage whatsapp the best communication tool around today extensively for that uh, they will be uh, mm-hmm. they will be copyrighted but they will be freely shareable yeah so it will work its way into books right um podcast like this uh no video clips and all of that for making it tourist friendly um not so sure we tried i tried to do it through a um, tourism minister at one time i think it's a very early days um to build it into a tourist level kind of a circuit now but yeah. um you know there are other groups like there's a cyclist group who uses the map and they go around cycling uh, there and there's a runners group who are um, favorite there so on mahashivaratri night when they're doing the jagarane they do the all night runs and they covering inscription stones they covered inscription stones one year yeah so there uh, so yeah those kind of wow. things are happening <laughs> that's one <laughs> but remember this though that um, uh, everything here is gigantic so it's a 1.25 crore population if you're able to touch one of 1% or 2% of that then you it's yeah. a big deal absolutely and uh, in terms of call yeah. for action uh, i know this is a citizens uh, yeah. <clears throat> led project how can people uh, contribute uh, and right. we can share the links so, and um, uh, 
Um, right. So the so the yeah, first and simplest and the easiest thing, or maybe the hardest thing for anyone to do, go see these stones. Okay. Uh, yeah. The stone will stay alive. It will be understood. It will be appreciated when you go see it. No amount of showing slides and showing photos or reading about this is going to help. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing for the people to do. Oh, this is in uh, that uh, village there, is it? Or oh, that slum there, is it? They put off. I would rather go see the Taj Mahal. We go rather see the Hampi. We go rather see a lot of the, you know, you know, you know Egypt or China or whatever else, wherever else you want to go. Uh, but you don't want to go see that stone there. And that's the hardest thing. If you can get a person to go see it, I think you've mm. done a great service to yourself and to the place. One. And I bet once you go there and you understand the stone. Uh, so remember, the stone's not beautiful. It's not a sculpture. It's not visually appealing. The value of that stone is what is written in that. And for you to understand what's written in that, you need to make an effort. It's just not that I see and gather it. You, know, you have to see. Uh, you have to see. You have to read and you have to learn. Once we do that, I bet you are sure to ask the question: Why is this ignored? Why is this not known to me? How can I make this story grow? How can I make this story more popular? You can do your own thing. And I'll give a few examples. A few ladies, inspired by what's on the stone, have written short stories. They, are, they, they write stories. Okay? Fictional short stories inspired by what's recorded in the stone. The stone itself is narrating the story of a local hero. And by the way, this is also a but. They've done it for already 11 places or something like that. So how was the child when it was growing up? What was the influence of, what was the neighborhood like? Why did he end up doing what he did? Which is, you know, he fought, uh, gave away his life. He died a martyr. Lovely stories they've written. They're, ser they're now serialized in uh, magazines. They're on a popular blog and all that. They're a major hit. I see. If you're a photographer, just go photograph the place and um, share it freely. A lot of, lot of, uh, people want to write about it, but they're not good at photography. They want good photographs. So a friend of mine who is one of the top uh, mm -hmm. photographers in the country, a Nikon, whatever, and all that, he shot all. Uh, he shot over 30 of these stones, and they are available on the web freely for you to use. There's hundreds of photos put up on the Wikipedia today. Wikimedia has mm -hmm. lots of photographs. We we can train you, train anyone who's interested uh, to learn more. And go ahead and do those know your neighborhood events yourself. Children are thirsting for this kind of information. They love it. Take a children's group there. It could be your own. It could be your neighbors. It could be a school. It could be whoever. They love it. Okay. Uh, you, you don't want to do any one of those, but let's say you have money to share. Hey, boss, I am living in uh, you know somewhere. I can't do this. I'm old. I don't have all that. No, no worries at all. Uh, we desperately need money for all these activities. Yeah, we, have give, we, we, have, we have a lot of giveaways that mm -hmm. um, you know during these events, and it takes a lot of money to conduct these events. We don't everything is on a volunteer basis, but let's say somebody is um, giving yeah. us a PA system, or let's yeah. give you know, doing something else. It takes money to do these things. Yeah. Happy to do that. A lot of the scans, the project itself yeah. today, which is the first of its kind in the world, started as a citizen-funded activity. Somebody said, "Look, this is this is this inscription in Malayshwaram. Malayshwaram is where I grew up." I'll fund the scanning of this. Let's go ahead and do that. 
uh, uh, the stones need to be relocated. Let's say it's sitting at the edge of a road. It needs to be shifted into a school or a park nearby. First and foremost, shifting is a very difficult task because there is a superstition and a belief associated with the stones. The superstition is the stones should not be shifted. There's a curse associated with them. Okay. Uh, if somebody shifts the stones, uh, you know, they're going to attract some uh, something on themselves. They may die, they may get a disease, they'll suffer and all of that. That uh, it takes a lot of convincing to, you know, to get people to agree. And if you are a local resident, you can do it better than us. Mm -hmm. Because we're coming in as outsiders and trying to convince your people. But if you are a local person there, you have some you know, mm -hmm. uh, advantage over us in doing that. You can do that. Again, it costs money. If you want to shift a stone from a location A to a location B, mm -hmm. we need to hire um, you know, a crane or a whatever. And we need to, you know, we need, we need um, a pedestal, a masonry wall or something built there. All that takes money. You find there's all of them need to be salvaged like this. Let's say you have one in Vijayanagar and say, look, I'll sponsor this activity yeah. for the one in Vijayanagar. Happy to do that. Okay. Um, a lot of people have done that. Mm -hmm. and, that and that's great too. So any skill set, all the scanning stuff that we are talking about today is the outcome of two people who had the technology uh, knowledge there. They said, look, uh, I know this is, I'm using this in my workplace for this kind of a work. Why not use it here? Yeah. So I would say volunteerism in that sense is open-ended here. You want to give us money? Great. You want to bring your skill set to the table? Great. Now the articles that we are preparing, uh, we are writing it in Kannada first. Okay, but we want it translated to English. If you can help okay. us translate that, each of these is a 30, 60 page uh, document. Yeah, lovely. If you're good at, cop you know, if, if you're a copywriter, the language we use is something, you know, we, we are at home with. If you think it can be written better, communication is better. If you're good at uh, graphic design, page layouts, and let's say, look, uh, you guys aren't doing this for impact. You have the content, but it's not laid out well. I'm, I'm excellent at Photoshop and I want to help you guys out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Please, please step up. We desperately need this. And more importantly, I'll say, I'll put it this way. You, it is our job and it's our duty to do it too. Okay. You can shy away from it, but in the end, it's our home. Making this place a better place is our duty. No one else's work. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Totally. And uh, no, absolutely. And some of those links, Sudhir, if you can send it to me, I'll, I'll make sure that it's also shared in the show notes, uh, you know, uh, especially contributions, if there's in a way people can contribute, even in small amounts, uh, you know, we, sure. it should be a good way to get going on that. So, though, that's fascinating. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground where it started, how you got involved, you know, where, um, you know, the the... the bulk of activity has happened yeah. and kind of where it's also headed right um, so kind of coming to a wrap up here i think we covered a whole whole a lot of information hopefully people will listen to this and uh, want to get involved a little bit more uh, but before we wrap up is there any final <laughs> words yeah. of sure um, uh, any message from so you? you know the um, all that i said was about the past Think about Bangalore of the present. Whether you know it or not, or whether you acknowledge it or not, either ways, this city 
is shaping the future of not Bangaloreans or Indians, but the world. Anything and everything you can think about, whether it's an mm-hmm. aircraft engine or whether it's an MRI machine, whether it's a vaccine or uh, you know whatever else you can think about is being done here. There is a Bangalorean hand in it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Everything you can think about. The, the software that we are using, the hardware that we are looking at, you know, the glasses that we wear, name it, the, and, yeah. and there's a Bangalore contribution in this. We, yeah. we have to realize this, and if we have to really go forward in that taking that leadership position that I was talking about, you have to understand that Bangalore didn't happen today. There's a thousand year past, and it's an extraordinary past. Mm. There's a hundred lakes in the city of Bangalore. Somebody built, they had the vision and those hundred lakes have sustained 40 generations to bring Bangalore to the play point at it is today. They were not kings. <laughs> they were just ordinary citizens. And there's been innumerable hurdles in the past that have been overcome. Mm-hmm. When you learn the past here, you're shaping the future. And this city is a global capital. Yep. It's not a Silicon Valley of India or stuff like that. It's gone way past all of that today. In the same breath as I would say, you know, San Francisco or Berlin or Boston or you know, some other place today, there's eight or ten cities that are called global cities, capitals. Bangalore is one. And this is the probably the only city that has such an incredible past, evidence past. Okay. Let's not go, let, let's not allow it to go waste. We can leverage that. And that's a huge, huge stepping stone for the future. Yeah. So, so don't, <clears throat> you know, don't believe you Absolutely. don't have a role to play. Absolutely. <clears throat> Every one of us have a role to play in that. You don't have to be an historian. You don't have to be well money, you know, for that. You don't have to have, <clears throat> you know, 24 hours in a day to do this kind of work. You can sit anywhere in the world. You can do work for uh, for this. Let's make it happen. Let's let. There's lot to celebrate. Let's figure it out and let's celebrate. That's all I would say. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, Vidya. Thanks for sharing the journey. Thanks for sharing the project. And uh, I'll let you go and have you enjoy Thank the rest you. of the morning. And uh, we shall stay in touch.